For the people of Tlone, the world is not an amalgam of objects in space. It is a heterogeneous series of independent acts. The world is successive, temporal, but not spatial. There are no nouns in the conjectural Ursprach of Tlone from which its present-day languages and dialects derive. There are impersonal verbs modified by monosyllabic suffixes or prefixes functioning as adverbs. For example, there is no noun that corresponds to our word moon, but there is a verb which in English would be to moonate or to enmoon. The moon rose above the river is plur ufang aksaksaksas melo, or as Sewell Solar succinctly translates, upward, behind the on-streaming, it mooned. Those are the words of the inimitable Jorge Luis Borges, Argentinian writer, polymath, all-around genius. They're from a short story called Ukbar Tlone Orbis Tertius, which is the classic tale of an imaginary planet. It's vintage Borges, and it inspired the music we just heard, a piece called Plur Ufang Aksaksaksas Melo by Diego Vega. Uh, you get to say all kinds of fun things when you're talking about Borges. We heard an excerpt of the third movement, and I will return to that piece in just a little bit. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. I'm going to be featuring a small sample of the huge amount of music out there inspired by the writings of Jorge Luis Borges. And I had the wonderful opportunity to speak with a renowned scholar in Daniel Balderston as well. Daniel is the professor of modern languages at the University of Pittsburgh. He's the author of several books, including Out of Context, Historical Reference in the Representation of Reality in Borges, and How Borges Wrote. So we're going in deep today. Uh, we're going to go into this subject deep, which should be a lot of fun. I want to say that Borges is uh, really important to me personally as well. I've always admired his writings, but I spent the last few weeks refamiliarizing myself with his work. And as someone who was able to channel his creativity into so many directions successfully, well, he's kind of a role model for me. Uh, I myself have a lot of interests, and uh, I think like most people with a lot of interests, you're told a lot that you're at risk of being a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, that sort of thing. Um, and so to see Borges do so many different things uh, so well, well, it's, uh, it's very inspiring. Like I said, I had the great good fortune to speak with renowned scholar Daniel Balderston about Borges. Uh, this was on the morning of July 5th. He was in the Bay Area, and whatever hotel he was staying at had the most lovely chorus of birds outside. Here's an excerpt of our conversation. The influence of Borges is uh, perhaps more pervasive among writers than any other world writer. Um, that doesn't mean that he is the most read writer in the world by common readers, but it means he's been incredibly influential for, uh, for people thinking about the creative process. And I feel like he, he went, he, he did so many things so early. I mean, you know, like when I was in college, I was reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut, and, and there was this kind of conversation about is Vonnegut serious literature because he, he delves into science fiction, he delves into speculative fiction, et cetera. And Borges was doing that successfully long before Vonnegut. Oh, yeah. There's never any doubt that Borges was literary. I mean, how did he pull that off, so to speak? Well, he was very interested in all sorts of things. I mean, my work on, on reference and reality shows that he was interested in, you know, that he read all sorts of things, all the time. Uh, he had no particular prejudice in, in favor of high culture. He was reading, um, you know, the inscriptions on the backs of trucks or ox carts. He was reading, um, he was very interested in popular culture of all sorts, in proverbs, in figures of speech, in, uh, he was interested in politics, uh, uh, his his interests were extraordinarily wide, and the book of essays of um, in the facsimile editions we did a critical edition of an essay that we never published on Flaubert, a talk from 1951, or a series of six talks from 1951. Uh, there were in that in that in those lectures on Flaubert. There are upwards of 200 references to, you know, studies of the early church fathers, to desert mystics, to uh, Buddhist scriptures, to uh, uh, 
all sorts of things that bore on Flaubert in some some way. Um, but he was also reading Flaubert and Flaubert's correspondence and criticism of Flaubert. Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, I mean, his, his uh, you know, outside of poetry, his primary medium was the short story. And so he manages somehow as a writer to well, leave actually, us. His primary medium was the essay on the book review. Ah, okay. There's many, many thousands of essays and book reviews. Not, not very much of it is available in English, but they're far more numerous ah. than the poems or the, uh, or the short stories. Out of curiosity in his book reviews, how much of his own personality, I mean, does he stay pretty remote or does he actually infuse it with his own personality? Oh, no, it's, they're very personal. And he, he, he takes a lot of materials from the reviews and also the film reviews and draws on them in other kinds of, in other genres subsequently. Uh, one example of that in 1939, he wrote a, an, an essay, an essay on the concept of the total library of libraries that would include all of human production. Mm -hmm. uh, three years, two years later, that becomes the short story, The Library of Babel, when he decides to take that same idea and recast it in the first person with a with a, a librarian as the narrator so there's a tight relation between the essays and reviews and the uh the other work yeah i was just going to ask is that a common pattern in borges that an essay oh, yeah. that he wrote becomes fiction well all sorts of things he wrote became moved from one genre into another. Um, an early essay on an Argentine card game, Truco, um, published in the 1920s, subsequently becomes a poem. The same first line um, appears in the, in the essay and then later in the poem. So, uh, so the, he's, he's constantly uh, interested in moving across genres and and mixing mixing um uh or uh challenging readers expectations about what an essay is what a poem is what a short story is the example that that Bioy talks about in 1940 is Plön Orbis the famous philosophical story about an imaginary planet um and uh, which, you know, for Borges was uh, creating that uh, out of his uh, imaginative reading of encyclopedias. I would, I would hypothesize that he knew the 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica, 1910-1911, more or less by heart, because the, uh, the, the references to it proliferate all, all over the place in his manuscripts. So uh, Tlön, which starts out with the reading of four pages in one, one copy of, a, of an encyclopedia, uh, and then proceeds to talk about the 11th uh, volume of, a, of the first encyclopedia of Tlön, and then the rediscovery and, and wide circulation of the first encyclopedia of Tlön um, was, uh, something that was masquerading as a, as a review of these um, texts, but uh, obviously was a way of, of uh, creating a narrative form, a reflection on, on deep philosophical problems. I was so grateful to scholar Daniel Balderston for talking with me for so long. We spoke for almost an hour and I learned so much about Borges from him. Again, he is professor of modern languages at the University of Pittsburgh, the author of several books, and somebody who is deeply, deeply knowledgeable about Jorge Luis Borges. And I think, too, that anytime I have a guest now, I want them to have a, a chorus of birds in the background. <laughs> it's just so fun. Uh, I love it. Okay, let's have some more music. Let's return to this piece by Diego Vega. Hluer, Ufong, Ox, 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 Malo. And yeah, I just like to say that. I'm going to try to work it into conversation as much as I can. Here again is Ensemble X to perform.
More music by Diego Vega from Hlor Ufong Aksaksaksaks Mlo, or Upward, Behind the On-Streaming It Mooned, as translated by Sul Solar. This is music inspired by the short story Ukbar Tlon Orbis Tertius by Jorge Luis Borges, one of his more famous stories. And that was the second movement. I played an excerpt of the third movement to open the program, then the second. I don't have time, unfortunately, to play the first. So I've, I've played the piece out of order, haven't really done it justice in some respects. Please do check out Diego's SoundCloud page, Diego Vega, and you can hear the whole piece. A wonderful performance by Ensemble X. And I did get to talk to Diego about his love of Borges and his inspiration for the music we just heard. The first fiction I read was The Library of the Old Babel, right? It is such, such, such a wonderful piece. And then that led to the Tlon Ugbar Orbis Tertius, which is where the text for, for this work. And, and interesting enough, I realized just recently that both are related. I mean, Borges is so incredibly coherent and keep, it's like, it's like there's little seeds of little things from one writing and another writing. It's just so incredible. I just find it. So uh, the Aksaksaksasmlo the, the section of, of, of the whole name that is mentioning Tlon Ugbar Orbis Tertius also appears in the Library of Babel because you know the library of everything is the library of all books and so um so th those two are related i mean and there are such different stories right such different stories by uh definitely the same writer they're uh wonderful and so yeah th those you see th there's a halo of mystery because of of just uh, Waldo's mystery because to us it's a legend uh, because the harmony is so um you know, we know the we love the cross relation, the false relations in 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 Jesualdo, but it, this opening is like it sounds incredible. It's emotionally very very engaging, but the structure itself is so perfect. It's like like a, like a crystal, and uh, and and uh, you know, and then Borges has this also perfect, incredible structure that he describes through his literature. So uh, that led me to at least in, in one movement be very precise and, and let's say try to compose music that would follow certain clocks, certain mechanics. Let's say in, in following with both, you know, the, the idea of uh, uh, many of the very deep ideas of Borges, not necessarily the spectacular library or the the made up world of, of Tlon, but um but some ideas that really have influence in science in the future, right? Let's say my partner told me that in computer science, they use the library, library of Babel story in when they, when they learn information theory, because in the forties, Borges with a through literature is already anticipating in a way hyperlinks and the, the the access to all information right so, so that that's that's really mysterious to me and i i love that idea it's interesting to me to hear diego talk about the different influences on that music not only borges uh this story ukbar Tlon, orbis tertius but also musical influences of carlo Gesualdo, especially in the way that he structures his music and this idea of mechanistic music coming from the great hungarian composer georgi Ligeti. I, I find that just just absolutely fascinating uh to hear about his creative process and how he synthesized all of these different elements to create this wonderful piece great performance too again by ensemble x there's so many different aspects to Borges. He's really a fascinating person. Uh, of course, as a writer, there's the short stories, the essays, the book reviews, the poetry, all of this amazing stuff. But as we heard Daniel say, he had a lifelong fascination with encyclopedias, and he was involved in all kinds of different compendiums throughout his lifetime as well. And I think that these are quite revealing. Uh, as much as any of his writings, we learn about Borges uh, in, in terms of what he includes in, in these compendiums, what he leaves out. Uh, tells us a lot. One of the most fascinating of these is the Book of Imaginary Beings, which is basically a compendium of monsters from around the world. 
Uh, if you ever played Dungeons and Dragons, it's like the Fiend Folio. I used to love to to flip through that book. I think Borges would have liked it too. The Book of Imaginary Beings has inspired so many composers. I found a ton of music uh, inspired by this book. But for my money, hands down, uh, the, the most fun and exciting project is Necessary Monsters by Carla Kilstead. This album is not released yet. She was kind enough to send me some rough cuts. Let's jump right in with The Squonk. The squonk. Lacrima corpus dissolvens. Description. A mauling dollop ready for deduction. A sprung set of locks. A frothy and glittering body of water. A great salt lake. Voice, a sort of whale song, a soothing and wavering blubber. Habitat, Pennsylvania coal country, Minnesota forests.
That's one of the monsters in the Book of Imaginary Beings, put together by Jorge Luis Borges and featuring monsters from different cultures around the world. Just a fascinating book, so much fun to flip through and read about these different creatures, as it were. That was The Squonk, and the music is by Carla Kilstead. We also heard narrating. This is from an upcoming album of hers called Necessary Monsters, and I think it's fantastic. I'm so grateful that she sent me these rough cuts. And she also sat down to talk with me about the project, uh, which was done live at the MCA, originally with director Paul Barghetto, and the librettist for the project is Raphael Osis. I got everyone a copy of the book, Paul, me, and Raphael. So that's the other thing is like Paul, as a as the first director of this, was involved from the very start. As I was writing the songs, he was involved, um, and um, uh, he actually the three we each kind of began by by on our own saying going through the book and marking the the songs that we that the the characters we thought were interesting, and then really I think um, and Raphael and Paul were really able to see to look for an arc not a continuity but an arc but from one from one to the another like themes that were reflected like for example um i have the list here there's um and i think Raphael gave the final the final say of like this is these are the ones i want to do and this is the order they need to be in um and uh so it really ends up being a a journey through the 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 the, the human the, the human as creator. Um, so the theme that that arcs through the whole thing, which really is the theme of 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 mythology um, to begin with, is is human creativity, right? Because all these creatures come from us, and all these creatures are manifestations of things that that humans in different contexts and different cultures have thought about, and so. Um, the arc of our story begins with um, an animal dreamed by C.S. Lewis, which of course is a little C.S. Lewis piece um, in which you never see the animal. It's just a, ref it's just a manifestation of pure expression. Um, and its song is kind of rough and wordless. And, um, and then it moves into the squonk, which is a kind of over, almost a manifestation of, of emotion. And the squonk is great. I love, I love the squonk story from the hemlock forests of Pennsylvania. Um, uh, and the, the squonk is a creature who lives in these forests and the miners, the coal miners from that area have always heard her cry in the woods and, um, and no one could ever catch, catch the squonk. But if you did and someone, when someone does actually, you can, you can mimic her call in the woods and then, uh, if you get her in a sack, by the time you get home, she will have dissolved herself in bubbles and tears and salt. So all that's left is bubbles and tears and salt. So there's this beautiful like theme of expression right up front. Um, and then from there, there's just various reflective surfaces that they give each other in hindsight. Like we have the, um, the Nisna um, and the double and the Nisna is a half creature is but but as half is actually whole it's not incomplete it's just half of half a creature with half a tongue and one leg and one wing and one but it is complete so it's this kind of idea of of um and you know for you can manifest it in different ways you can think about it as a as a metaphor for relationships and for what how we how we um manifest through relationship you can i mean there's lots of different ways of looking at it the next creature is the double, which of course the doppelganger, which of course is in some ways the opposite of that, but equally unsettling <laughs> in a way. Um, uh, he chose the ink monkey, which is also one of my favorites, which is the, your inner critic. So again, like uh, it's from Chinese mythology and the ink monkey is a little four inch monkey that sits on your desk and watches you waste its ink on your dumb writing <laughs> like you're like like oh what what it's so really it's a manifestation of your inner critic as you know as you're writing at the ink monkey is the part of you that's like oh no oh i can't be right oh that's terrible oh that sounds like this um so again just the theory the theme of of creativity and then the one-eyed being which follows the ink monkey is the opposite it's the manifestation of like the ego like oh 
look at this. I'm so awesome. Check me out. It's like looking at like the, the, the yourself as the culmination of all of human history. Like everything has led to this moment and to me and to the celebration of like you know, the pillars of the academia or the pillars of you know, of ego in various ways. And then following that, immediately following that is the Lamed Vafnik, who is one of the one of the very few 36 humble men or humble, humble um, humans on earth. Um, and, and uh, that once, once you, if, if uh, Lamed Vafnik is, discovers that they are indeed a Lamed Vafnik, then they immediately die and someone, because then they get a sense of their own importance. And like I'm, I'm giving these like super two dimensional uh, summaries, but, but you kind of see like the, the whole nine, the nine chapters of what we chose as our as our arc um, goes from an animal dreamed, which is just the just the impulse for creativity. It's ending with Audredek, which is a Kafka short um, about the dust bunny that's left under the stairs um, after you're gone. So, and that you know, so that that was actually really. Um, I felt really lucky to be able to work with with Paul and Raphael from the ground up because I don't think I would have chosen nearly as elegant or coherent a, a weave between what could what could have been a really disparate, um, you know, disparate kind of ra randomized selection of monsters. <laughs> Part of my conversation with Carla Kilstead about this upcoming album, Necessary Monsters. Let's dive right back in. Here is the Ink Monkey.
More music from this fun album, Necessary Monsters by Carla Kilstedt. Uh, that one was the Ink Monkey, this voice inside our heads here personified by a monster. Again, this is inspired by a book compiled by Jorge Luis Borges called The Book of Imaginary Beans. This inspired a lot of composers. Uh, there are many, many pieces I could have chosen, but I thought it'd be fun to feature something you can't hear anywhere else, at least until that album comes out. And I love what Carla says about how these are monsters, but really they're us. They're different manifestations of our own fears, uh, all the little things that are, that are bubbling and burbling around inside of us consciously or subconsciously. Again, featuring music on the program today, inspired by Jorge Luis Borges. And it was so great to be able to talk with Daniel Balderston, uh, one of the world's foremost scholars of Borges. Next up is music by Bulgarian composer Georgi Arnaudov, who talked to me about his piece from his home in Sofia. The basis of the work is uh, this small poem I, I sent you, uh, by this small poem entitled uh, The Rose from Thervo uh, de Buenos Aires. And Thervo de Buenos Aires is, uh, as I know, the first uh, poetry book of um, Borges. It's, it's uh, published in uh, 1923. Um, so, to say, I wrote this piece very slowly for a long time. In general, I write music very slowly. I really, <laughs> I, 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 I joke that sometimes I, I, I write music so slowly that, that uh, I don't even know, even know when I, I write it. So I write it uh, maybe five months. So I tried to weave insight in the, in the, in the, in the music. Um, some of the words of, from the poem. And uh, if you listen uh, carefully the music, you will um, may hear some, uh, some of the rhythm of the speech of Borges. Let's hear this piece by Georgi Arnaudov, inspired by an early poem by Borges called The Rose. This is Fragment Ritual 3, and the performer is Kalina Kusteva on cello.
It's a piece by Bulgarian composer Georgi Arnaudov. It's called Ritual, Fragment 3 for solo cello, inspired by an early poem by Jorge Luis Borges called The Rose. And Georgi says that he's using some of the speech patterns in the poem in the music as well. Fantastic piece by Georgi Arnaudov. I'm going to play some orchestral music now, a piano concerto by composer Alexander Gare called Marching to Carcassonne. This piece is inspired by an essay by Borges called Kafka and His Precursors. I figure we've been talking a lot about Borges as an essayist. We heard Daniel Balderson say that the essay and the book review were, were uh, by far where he was the most prolific, so I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't play any music that was inspired by an essay. Kafka and His Precursors is a fairly short essay in which Borges mentions a short story called Carcassonne by Lord Dunsany. And I have to confess, I thought that Lord Dunsany was not a real person. <laughs> it's always difficult to tell with Borges. He really does blend fact and fiction a lot, but like in a positive way, you know, not, not uh, the way sometimes people do it today. Anyway, uh, but I looked him up and sure enough, Lord Dunsany, he was a fantasist. He was, uh, you know, in, in the style of Tolkien in the 20th century. And I think there's a lot about Dunsany that, uh, that would have been appealing to Borges. Uh, he's a very obscure figure, but that's Borges for you. He seems to know everyone at all times. But in this story, uh, Carcassonne, Lord Dunsany says, an invincible army of warriors departs from an infinite castle, subjugates kingdoms and sees monsters and crosses deserts and mountains, but never reaches Carcassonne, although they once catch a glimpse of it. There's a lot here I think that would have been appealing to Borges. Uh, of course, the monsters, we heard all about Borges and monsters. Uh, this idea that uh, Carcassonne is fleeting, they, they catch a glimpse of it, but are never able to reach it. Um, there are armies and stories of Borges as well. Uh, this idea of an infinite castle. Oh my, there's so much there. <laughs> so this is what inspired Alexander Gare to write a series of uh, short pieces for piano concerto, for piano and orchestra. And I think they're really, really fantastic, quite inventive pieces. So I'm going to play two of the movements for you now, the introduction and then the invention. This is Peter Serkin on piano, and Oliver Newson is leading the London Sinfonietta. Thank you. 
Music of Alexander Gare, Marching to Carcassonne, a piano concerto inspired by the essay Kafka and His Precursors by Jorge Luis Borges. And as I was listening to it, I was thinking, come on, Seth, that's not nearly enough of this piece. Let's do a little more. We have time. So let's hear a little bit more. We're going to hear the march, and that goes right into the movement called Night. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's more music by Alexandra Gare from this piece, Marching to Carcassonne, inspired by an essay of Jorge Luis Borges called Kafka and His Precursors. So we heard March going right into night. And as you could tell, it was about to go right into the next movement, but I faded it down. All of these movements are ataka. We heard Peter Serkin on piano and Oliver Newson led the London Sinfonietta. Really a fun piece by Alexandra Gare. So that's my program, a small sample of music inspired by Jorge Luis Borges. There's so much out there, I could return to this theme at any time, and probably will. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed the music that I featured on the program today. The next Relevant Tones, uh, which I'll get up in, in the next uh, week or two, is music of Hong Kong. I talked with Anthony DePirin, who is the author of the book City on Fire, about the umbrella protests and about the more recent protests. So talked to him about the political situation there, and talked with several composers about their music, how politics is affecting them, all of that good stuff. So that'll be on the next Relevant Tones. And let's go out now with another piece by Carla Kilstead from Necessary Monsters. This is Hochigen. Thanks for listening and stay safe.